0: Hello, dear Pen Live readers and listeners and some of your viewers on Facebook. It's so nice to have you here. This is Joyce Davis, Pen Live's opinion editor, coming to you with another Battleground PA podcast. Stay tuned. As you know, we have lots to talk about with Democratic analyst Rajette Harris and Republican analyst Jeffrey Lord. We will be right back, and if you want to join us, you can do so at Twitter at Battleground PA or facebook at battleground pa or you can send us an email at topics at battlegroundpa.org. stay tuned get your seatbelts we're going to start the debate shortly this is battleground pa a pen live podcast discussing the issues that matter to pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections Okay, I am back and ready to welcome the brilliant Rajette Harris. Welcome, Rajet. How are you today? Great. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I won't complain. And, of course, our provocative Jeffrey Lord. How are you today, sir?
1: Feeling provocative. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: that's a good thing. It will make for an interesting conversation. But as usual, you guys are... uh, I know ready to, uh, to really offer some insights into what's going on, but let's start again. Of course, the thing on everybody's mind, right, is COVID-19. And there have been some developments. It, it seems like, right, all every week or every day, we're getting developments that just make you sick, not really sick, but just, you know, nobody wants to be sick. But the thing we have here is younger people younger people now in Pennsylvania they're seeing apparently Pittsburgh it's about a 30% rise in cases between ages 19 and 24 no 19 to account for about 30% of new cases so not a rise but they account for 30% of new cases which apparently is uh an increase and so people are starting to be concerned about young people and the fact is that young people still even if they don't die they can still develop some serious complications. I'm just wondering if that's going to cause any political repercussions on all of this, Rajette. Are we doing all we can to protect even the young people?
2: I don't think so. And as you know, the discussion is even starting uh, regarding reopening up the schools next month. So that's a huge discussion too. Are we going to chance? You can just imagine if we open up the schools, all we need is one child to get the virus and are pass it on to an older administrator or teacher, what would happen and everything would shut down again. Um, it's definitely a concern. There are a lot of parties this past weekend with the July 4th holiday. I saw on the news that some of the universities are threatening um, to expel students if they continue to have these huge parties without social distancing and masks. So it's definitely concerning.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you went there. I would because this is really a debate now whether these schools should open. Look, we were all young ones. You're still young, Rosette, and you know that young people simply, frequently, don't follow rules. They just or uh, can can be undisciplined. Let's put it that way. That's what youth is. It's learning how to be self-disciplined. Right? I mean, Jeffrey, I don't know if you can remember that far back, but, but, but aren't you concerned about? about the young people.
1: Yes, and I, I have to tell you my knowledge of uh, in in a formal sense of how to deal with this in schools is limited and I'm aware of it and so later on this morning I'm having a conversation with a member of my family, my cousin's uh, middle daughter who is both a mom of a 10-year-old boy and a 7-year-old girl. She lives in the hot spot of Westchester County and by profession she is a school teacher in New York City. <laughs> so We are going to have a uh, conversation so that Uncle Jeff can have some sort of understanding of what teachers are talking about and how they want to approach this. Because, I mean, the one universal thing is that we've all been to school, and we all know more or less what you were just saying. I mean, kids are are kids. They're undisciplined. And, I mean, I would love to see, in an amusing sense, some teacher who is required to enforce social distancing in the fourth, you know, with fourth graders. <laughs> how, how, how does that work?
0: Exactly. And I mean, Jeffrey, the truth is, and and Rochette, that, I mean, we know young people, especially in those early years, they can barely keep their hands out of their noses. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's just the truth, you know. And I mean, you. This is why so many young people, young uh, kids, bring diseases back home to their families. We we hear all the time about people being sick because their their kids are in kindergarten and they're sharing all of this stuff. So it leads me to this question: What is going on that President Trump would push for these schools to reopen, and and that Betsy DeVos is Secretary of Education? would would demand that these schools reopen full-time. It would seem like if he's going to leave things to the discretion of governors on these other issues, why not leave this to the discretion of schools, local schools? Jeffrey?
1: Well, I, I assume there's an answer to it. I mean, I was sort of taken off guard when I realized they were doing this yesterday, but of course it makes perfect sense. This discussion has to be had, and it has to be had with educators, and, uh, you know, the people who are going to be in the classroom and the professionals, etc., which clearly is what is afoot. I mean, operating not just with schools, but with everything is are we just going to be in a permanent sense of or permanent case of lockdown? Everything. And I think we've had enough progress to know that's not a good idea. As a matter of fact, well,
0: I think the doctor. I, I, was the just re- I was
1: just starting to read before we got into our show this morning, an article by someone from Japan in the Wall Street Journal, and I guess they did not lock lock down. And they have done very, very well. And uh, this goes on to explain in what fashion and how they did it and all of that kind of thing. So there are apparently other ways to do this, which I think, you know, you've got all sorts of people taking a serious look at.
0: There may be other ways to do it, but we have seen, I mean, the doctors and scientists are pretty uniform on this, that social distancing and masking and all that is a requisite if you're going to contain this virus. But, you know, I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I don't know how Rajat feels about this. It's not the discussion. It's the mandating. It's this pushing, uh, which seems to be just for political reasons. I'm not sure. Is is that how you're viewing it, Rajette?
2: It is. I'm concerned overall with how the president and White House is framing this issue, period. I mean, he made a statement over the weekend that 99% of people are okay. It's almost like they're continuing to downplay the virus as if it's not as serious as it really is. When we can see the cases are going up, people are getting extremely ill. In Florida, some of their ICUs are over capacity. And I yeah. just think this continue, this continuation of downplaying the virus just isn't helpful for for everyone
1: well but, i know, do if the schools
2: I... don't there is the other side though if the schools don't reopen as we all know you know school is for a lot of parents daycare in a sense if we want to really break everything down so if the schools don't open and parents have to go back to work then again what's going to happen with daycare for children as well so i just wish that our elected officials would just take this more seriously some of them and really deal with the issues at, at hand.
1: Wouldn't well, well a, cu- a couple things here that concern me. One, in terms of the hospitals overflowing, let's just remember that we stopped all access, or most of it, to people who had other problems. And now they are starting to flood the hospitals because they've been cooped up for two months or three months or whatever and have not sought treatment of whatever that has nothing to do with covid and so there they are, and that adds to the hospital toll. Well,
0: well one Jeffrey, of the things they've that, stopped now. They've cut back on the on the discretionary operations and procedures and all of that in many of these areas because the COVID cases are taking over again. Going
1: up. Well, one yes. of the things that concerns me about all the, all the news on the COVID is there is, seems to be an emphasis on the growing number of cases, but there is almost no attention to the fact that the death rate has plummeted. I was looking at something, I think it was from the European CDC. It's a chart, and and the, the cases are on a jagged line going, you know, not quite straight up, but almost. And at the bottom, and it's not a flat line, but it's it's a vastly different thing when you start counting actual death. And I, I just think that there's a little too much media hype about the cases. Oh, my goodness. And not, enough, and, not, and, not, and not enough emphasis on actual death.
2: I don't hear well, you But there's two parts to that, right? Jeffrey. Don't, for, don't forget, though, that there's a lagging with the death, meaning now that people aren't following the rules anymore, we have more cases. So we'll have to wait two, three weeks from now to see if we do get more deaths. I'm with you, though. Hopefully we don't. But we still can't forget. I actually think the media needs to focus more on the Not just the suffering, but there are are cases where people had to have their legs amputated, where they received diabetes, kidney failure, some of the other health issues, permanent health issues that people are having because of the virus, even if they recover. So I hope more attention is brought to that as well. well.
0: So we also need to talk a little bit about the, you know, this has been a novel virus, and that means that they didn't know everything and they're learning more things, and now, There's this issue about whether the virus hangs in the air, not just this catapulted, you know, from nose to nose or mouth to whatever, but That someone could cough and you walk into a room, especially a closed, uh, uh, enclosed area, and that virus is standing there in the air waiting for you to walk into it. I mean, that carries huge implications, it seems, for reopening schools, for going into restaurants, that kind of, especially, I mean, restaurants and bars, you have to take off your mask in order to eat or drink. So why is this information really from WHO? I and mean, we've withdrawn from WHO, but this is information coming from doctors around the world warning us. Why isn't this being taken more seriously by the president, Jeffrey?
1: Well, I think it is taken seriously. But again, we do have to keep moving on with life. I mean, the, the alternative is just to stop everything. And we've tried that, and that's not very good. I mean, people lose their businesses, their livelihoods. People get, People get depressed. That's People get right. depressed. People are committing suicide. They're getting into drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things. I mean, that simply is not healthy.
0: Well, Dr. Fauci seems to think, and the and the scientist seems to think that's the only way, and that thousands of lives were saved because we did lockdown, including in Pennsylvania. People are crediting that lockdown with really uh, not not having the kinds of numbers that we're seeing in so many other states. So- I mean, I don't know. I, again, the point is that eventually there's going to be a vaccine, right? Eventually there will be. And right. the, the the guidance I was with Dr. Nimal Joshi, that he's giving hunker down until that vaccine is there. Hunker down and live and survive. Do what's being asked of you so that you can at least get to the point where they can stick the shot and give you a chance to, to
2: defeat the virus. Right. Well, and I just think I just think and ignore the, the guidance being given. Well, get my humans. problem still maintains, though, that the president and all of our elected officials need to be examples by wearing a mask when they're outside. Um, now, I personally have gone into uh, restaurants where they pick something up, and I think a lot of the restaurants, at least in the Dauphin County area, are doing a very good job as far as all of their, and this is just the ones that I have been in. All of the employees had masks on. People were sitting at tables more than over six feet from each other with the social distancing, whatnot. And we need to follow these rules if we want to be able to keep businesses open and then people keeping their jobs, which is why I don't understand why from the from the top, from the administration, that they aren't, I don't want to say forcing, but encouraging people to wear masks. Now, I have noticed that other people within the Republican Party are finally breaking rank with the president, wearing masks themselves and encouraging people in their states to wear masks. And we need more of that from our elected officials on both sides. Well, we'll get
0: to breaking ranks a little bit later, because that's another issue I wanted to discuss with both of you. But but let's, let's focus on one, the vaccine issue here. I see that there, at least there's a story that says China is leading in the vaccine race. Now, I just want to hear your thoughts on this. What if China gets the vaccine first? Do you think they would share it with the United States considering what's going on? I mean, what what are your thoughts on that, Jeffrey? Should we play nice nice with China so if they get the vaccine first we can get some of it?
1: I am just concerned about anything dealing with China. I mean, let's not forget here, we and I don't just mean we in terms of the United States, I mean the entire planet is in this situation because of China. They got this problem, they didn't say anything, they misled the WHO or the WHO allowed themselves to be Misled, you know, there's no human, it doesn't spread through human contact and all this kind of thing, all of which was 110,000% wrong. Right. And, and the plant, the entire planet has paid this enormous price because of this. Right. With that in mind, wow, you know, I would want to be extraordinarily careful. So you I think if, 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 if we've not learned anything, the- it should be, we should be self dependent here on everything, you know, instead of depending on China.
0: Yeah. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take a little break? When we come back, I'm going to let Rajette comment on this because you're right, Jeffrey. I mean, should we even trust anything that would come out of China? Because you just, they're just not trustworthy, it seems, in, in some of these issues. But stay tuned. We're going to come right back and continue this conversation and hear Rajette's opinion about whether China will share a vaccine with the U.S. Okay, we are back, Rajette. Would you trust the vaccine coming out of China?
2: Well, your first question, they would share it with us for the right price.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: Right. Right. So they, but as far as us actually trusting it, we would definitely have to uh, check it out and do our own trials first. Mm-hmm. I don't see us just accepting it and start giving it out to Americans now.
1: The old phrase "your money or your life" comes to mind. <laughs> yeah,
0: apparently they're already testing on uh, soldiers. You know, they're willing to risk <laughs> do the test there to see how it turns out. But I think this is something. I mean, clearly, we the United States wants to get this vaccine first, and then it will be determined whether we will share it with the world. That that is but, the other question, you
2: know, right? To be honest, though, I don't want to rush a, a vaccine. We want something that's going to be safe too. Mm. So we have to be careful with with rush, you know, if we push it through too quickly. We don't want any, you know, side effects. I don't have any pro I mean, I'm sure I'm sure
1: they will. I mean, we have just in general all kinds of uh, safeguards for getting some new drug on the market and all that kind of thing. I don't think uh, anybody is going to slip something in that could be effective.
2: Well, you know are anxious, you know, so we, we just want to make sure they take their time and, and do it right. And until then, we're just going to have to have a different normal. That's all.
0: Well, people do point out what happened with the polio vaccine, that the initial one that came out really was defective and ended up killing children and had to be, you know, revised, so to speak. So it is something to be to be a concern of, especially since there's such a rush people really want to try to get this and they are cutting corners they are cutting the way this normally is done but uh, again with the conversations with the doctors they're now not seeing a vaccine that would even be you know verified before the beginning of the year and then it takes probably another year before it gets mass produced so that average people so we're in for the long haul it seems with this thing but it but I think the one thing to keep in mind is that it isn't forever. Eventually we're gonna have it. And that, as they say, hunker down until they do. But let's move on. Let's move on, guys, to some other issues. Let's let's talk about Joe Biden, you know. As, as Jeff, <laughs> and in his basement or whatever, but we aren't hearing much of him. And we still don't know who's the is he ever gonna pick a running mate for yet? Come on, what's going on?
2: He said yesterday, by August first, uh, oh. we will know who his running mate is. And actually, Joe Biden and Vice President Pence—they're both going to be in Pennsylvania Thursday mm-hmm. of this week. So he's venturing out. He's venturing <laughs> he out but by August first, we I will know his running you know, mate
0: It is interesting, though, Jeffrey, that um, while we're getting a lot of negative press, of course, for the president. Is Joe Biden really getting positive press? He's really the answer. I I don't know.
1: Well, when you when you I, I mean, because of the very bizarre nature of the situation we're in, there is a legitimate reason for him to be in his basement. But I do think that that has sort of been eclipsed to some degree by the political consequence that they feel keep him out of the public eye as much as possible and just just don't go there. Now, I will say I will defend him on the vice presidential thing. I mean, I I, I not only know from my reading of history, but being at Republican conventions and and having seen this happen at Democratic conventions, there have been plenty of occasions, and I would venture to say most of them, where the vice presidential nominee is picked in a rush Mm. in some smoky hotel room at the convention. We have, thank goodness, I think, gotten past that kind of craziness, and there is in both parties. There certainly was with picking Vice President Pence, and I think certainly with Hillary Clinton picking Tim Kaine, a, a deliberate, process vetted, sort of way to go about this, and is, uh, but, I'm but sure that's people, what the.
0: I think I'm, Well, I'm
1: just sure that that's what the Biden people are in the process of doing, and I think that is the right way to do it.
2: Well, and I think things have changed too, and I, I have no inside knowledge of this. I want to I want to put that out in the front. But he could have been looking at a very different person a month or two ago before yes. the current political climate and the current issues and now might have had to turn to find someone else to fit the, you know, the current atmosphere better as well.
0: Yeah, but it's just for, from, from the perspective that I'm looking at it, you know, that makes it all the more. I mean, people are waiting, uh, you know, including people who want to vote Democrat. They're waiting to see, can they get revved up? Can they get excited? Can they really get people out? You know, these uh, capitalize on what's happening in those streets with the vice presidential running mate. And, and so it's just that, that, that suspense that's there, I think, that people are like, but, but, but let's, let's talk a little bit about a New York Times story that raises some questions about whether the financial markets may have a little bit of concern about a Biden presidency. I mean, the tax cuts and all of that, clearly the financial markets have loved that President Trump brought in. Are people going to be worried that Biden is going to pull all of that back in and start spending, spending, spending. Of course, not that we're not spending, spending, spending now. Right, Jeffrey?
1: Well, yes, they are going to be concerned. And that is, I mean, in fairness, again, God, I can't believe I'm fair to Joe Biden oh, twice my in God. one, this is a new one podcast. <laughs> uh, that what, You know, alert the media. But in fairness to him, I mean, he has said, yeah, that's exactly what he intends to do. He intends to take back the tax cuts and he intends to spend and I mean, this is traditional boilerplate, if you will, Democratic Party policy. He's your basic traditional boilerplate Democrat. So, yes. So what happens is, you know, the old law of physics, every, every action has an opposite and equal reaction. Uh, yeah, you can bet that at some point this is going to be sinking in. And I think it's already started with people in the investment community saying, whoa, wait a minute here. What if he actually wins? What That's is what happens to my no, investment?
2: Another, problem, another way of looking at it is he's taking money away from the millionaires and billionaires, people and companies and corporations that don't need the money and giving it to the working person. You know, people who actually <laughs> need money. And, and and I'm being serious about this. Like people lost money with these tax cuts. As far as even, uh, deducting student loan interest, things of that, na- things of that nature. We saw that with the stimulus package, there's no oversight. Uh, we have Kanye West's company, million dollar company, receiving one, two million dollars. We saw that with other, uh, uh, different types of companies receiving money and the average mom and pop stores did not receive any of that stimulus money and a lot of them aren't going to be able to reopen.
1: So that, I don't want to sound cynical, but.
2: Under the current administ- under the current administration.
1: My, my experience in watching Democratic policy at work is they talk a good game about uh, taking money from the rich. But what it means is they're giving money to their rich pals in lobbies who then, uh, you know, spend it lobbying uh, the newly hired bureaucrat. I mean, it's a sort of a closed loop. And, uh, you know, your average working American doesn't get any of this and it's not designed that way.
2: So no matter what no, but that's officials- why we have to hold our elected officials accountable though I mean, we have seen that on both sides of the aisle, of course, over the years um but you know it's 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 wrong to me, it's wrong, you and know, I do and- think those are some of the policies that uh the vice- uh joe biden or he's speaking to at I'm, least right I, now i he is.
0: I do worry guys that at some point. Even what we're going through now, there's going to be a reckoning. I do worry about this deficit. And, and normally it's the Republicans who worried about the deficit. Well,
1: I, I, awesome. I agree with you. And 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 again, based on my own experience, I know exactly what goes on with this. And and frankly, it's the American, I hate to say this, but it's the American people. And, and uh, I probably said this before, but I'll give you this little anecdote again. When I was working for Congressman Bud Schuster, he was on the House Budget Committee at the time. And this was in the beginning of the Reagan era with Reagan's program of tax cuts and spending cuts. Mm -hmm. And what would happen is we would get constituents coming in from the middle of Pennsylvania, very conservative area. They were all Republicans. And they'd sit there in the congressman's office and the conversation would go like this. Congressman, we want you to know we love you to death. We think the world of you. We, th- we love President Reagan. He's doing a great job. But you know this one program that is President Reagan wants to cut? We just wish you wouldn't well, do that. Interest. Because, da-da-da. And,
0: and,
1: and you multiply that by 435 members of the House and 100 members of the Senate, and what you get is a deficit. Yep,
0: yeah, yeah. But that's why you need leadership that's going to have the courage to realize that we don't want our children to be strapped with these kinds of this kind of debt. Yeah,
1: well, I agree. And I that, agree. But it, it is it is made harder by the American people themselves.
2: It's made oh, harder. That's there's, two parts to it. there's two parts to it, too. You have parts of the deficit that you mentioned, examples where it's not necessary. But when you're in the pandemic such as this, just like they're considering another stimulus package, you can't close everything down also. And take away people's jobs, but not help subsidize their lives until things can reopen. So, you know, there is some validity to some of the deficit. And I'm not justifying all of it, but we have to remember the time that we're living in right now. And the government does play a role to keep people, especially these small and these small businesses afloat until until things can get back to normal.
0: The time that we're living in right now requires really strong strategic leadership at every level and i'm just afraid we haven't seen it but let's move on (laughs)
2: let's
0: move (laughs) on to discuss the issues that uh we see being uh, brought up regarding president trump again we got a new book out and we had bolton's book that (laughs) (laughs) in the room and now we have a book from his niece his his brother's sister and I have not read the book. I've read these excerpts in the New York Times stories and all of that. They're out there, several of them. And it does not paint a very good picture of the president, at least as a person, as as, you know, I mean, she um, she has some calls him uh, that father a sociopath and says that uh, the President Trump himself is is uh, has psychological issues. She is herself a psychologist. Jeffrey, is this going to help the president?
1: I I don't think it means anything. I mean, these kind of books, forget Donald Trump for a moment, but these kind of books, presidents in general and public figures in general, they appear and they vanish. And in the case, particular case of Donald Trump, this is somebody, forget being president. This is somebody before he was president, who was so well known, every inch and crevice of his life was so well known to the American people, and they elected him anyway. This is not going to make any difference whatsoever. And all I can say is just in general, there isn't a family in America anywhere where, if somebody were feeling disgruntled with other family members, couldn't go out and spread, if they had uh, that kind of press attention, embarrassing stories about mom or dad or brother or sister or cousin who said A, B, or C and they're an idiot and da 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 da. I mean, this is human nature, and she doesn't like him. So, newsflash: doesn't uh, like I mean, him,
0: but she is a member of his family, close to it. I mean, his niece. But I don't know. I mean, Jeffrey raises a good point. One of the things we're hearing is that whoever's with Trump doesn't care, <laughs> and whoever now people who are against him have already made up their minds. They they don't. Want, I mean, do you see this changing any minds, Regette The
2: book, no. Um, to be honest, she confirms a lot of what we already know. He's a narcissist. We know he's a narcissist. He revels (laughs) in being a narcissist. He doesn't have any empathy. Well, he's shown that through this coronavirus epidemic. So she really, in my opinion, confirms a lot that we already knew about him. I I just think she gives backstory by connecting it to his father as the one who made him that way. And as we all know, our, our parents shape us good, bad, or indifferent. Um, so she just kind of adds that little backstory, but as far as the book, uh, you know, shaping the election now.
0: All right. So this,
1: book the only is- thing, the only thing I would disagree on is that this notion that he has no empathy, that's just not true. And I've seen it firsthand.
2: Well, I wish he would show it to the rest of us.
1: I mean, you know, this is somebody when he got to know me and found out that I was taking care of my, this is somebody who would call and ask, how is she, you know, send me notes, handwritten notes, that kind of thing.
0: Well, that's very I mean, nice. Glad we should share that because, as she says, we would love to see that side of him. Some people are, have not been able to find it. But the, the, I will end on this. I mean, I do wonder, though, Jeffrey, and I'll let you if we do see some peeling away of the president's support, political support, even amongst Republicans. And I, I bring that up because I've gotten this, which is published right now. I just um it just posted. Betrayal of principles. Well, this Republican former Congresswoman, Claudine Schneider, she is with Republicans for intent. <laughs> well, I don't know. She's a, she is a former Congresswoman and quite respected. And she lays out some issues here that are causing her some ethical and moral concerns. And I'm, I don't know. I think I forwarded it to you so you could take a look at it. But
1: I, yeah, I, I laugh. Don't. I haven't seen it, but I remember Claudine Schneider and she was no big fan of Ronald Reagan's either. So, you know, An upset, as far as i'm concerned
0: big fans of ronald reagan that has nothing to do with her statements here the statements here clearly point out that she's worried about corruption and abuse of power she's worried about his relationship with with that uh, well she's worried about spending and the and the ata the affordable care act for sure and she's concerned that republicans have not taken the charge on 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 addressing these health care issues in the middle of a pandemic and she goes into the Taliban, and they ignore it, not being able to accept that Russia is is trying to hurt us in in Afghanistan. I mean, these are concrete things that she lays out. You don't have any concerns that this is going to resonate with some Republicans, aren't you seeing some defection? No,
1: okay, no, no. I, I mean, this is the typical liberal Republican stuff that they've been throwing against Republicans from Barry Goldwater to Ronald Reagan and now to Donald Trump. I mean, Thomas E. Dewey was like this back in 1948, going after Robert Taft. I mean, this is a long history of that sort of side of the Republican Party. Have
0: you been at any um, table, did, did the Republican liberals, as you call them, vote for Trump or did they not vote for Trump last time? Were oh, I
1: think for- there are a lot of them that didn't vote for Trump. Okay. Absolutely. I think they okay. voted the for Hillary.
0: Her, is this, are you going to pick up these, these Republicans? Or are you going to pick up these voters?
2: Well, we have to give them a reason to vote our side rather than stay home. And we're definitely going to fight for their votes. But, you know, Trump is going to have to expand his his base from last time. And I don't feel or see him doing that. You know, this is yet another example, a growing trend of prominent Republicans past and present that are openly saying they don't they're not supporting uh the president again this year and you know i i can see the 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 uh campaign continuing to sort of dismiss these individuals but you you can't you know he's going to need every vote he can get
0: well i i also wonder jeffrey and rejet on this final thing that we can talk about i mean with the president not uh being as forceful as some might like him to be in in um Making a stand or a statement for uh, abolishment of racism in the United States with his seeming to be uh, of a divided mind on the Confederate flag with his um, attacks, it seems, against Black Lives Matter and all of this where people are kind of rallying around this cause. I mean, isn't there some concern that he is going to have to at some point say something that convinces people that he is
1: he is not a racist?
0: Right, Jeffrey? I mean, they, he well, needs- well, you know,
1: he said this. He said this kind of thing over and over and over and over again. And people just deliberately. I mean, in the case of The Washington Post, I, I mean, they just flat out lied about his uh, speech at uh, Mount Rushmore. I mean, I read every word of it. It was enormously inspiring. And, I mean, he didn't he didn't mention Confederates. He didn't mention the Confederate flag. He didn't mention Confederate military bases named for Confederate leaders. He mentioned none of it. And yet they said he did. I've read it. It wasn't there. That's just not true. And I would, I mean, this is an infinitely longer discussion, but I just, as you've heard me say, I believe the Democratic Party is based on race and has been through its history. This is a party with a culture where they outright supported slavery, then segregation and Jim Crow. Now it's identity politics. It's always race. They're the ones with the problem, not Donald Trump.
2: But he's also playing racial politics, though. You can't you can't deny that. He's 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 it, it seems like his strategy is depending on the culture war to get him reelected. You know, he says one thing in one speech. And then five minutes later, he's tweeting something. Just like he tweeted about the NASCAR uh, situation with the news, he's always uh, tweeting his support of keeping the Confederate flag, and he has tweeted and said uh, negative things about the Black Lives Matter of movement. And well, you know, but there's a reason. Right I mean, now. the
1: Black Lives Matter movement. Now, I, I will certainly grant you there are plenty of people involved in that at the grassroots level who are. Good hearted and sincerely believe this. But there is no question, as the very top, I mean, some of these leaders have been, are, are on videotape saying that they're trained Marxists, quote unquote, and, and that this is all about Marxism. Well, hello, if that's the case, that's a whole different Black Lives Matter than what the American people have been presented with. And that, I, mean, where's I think, his is a. Platform?
2: St- where does he stand on racial justice issues? Where does he stand on the employment? He believes and in a colorblind
1: America. That's that's you know that's.
2: But that's not reality. We don't live in a colorblind America. We well, but you're, not going, we you're not going to get there. You're not going to get there if you skin. believe
1: in identity politics. If we're you believe in segregation, we then we're not going to get there. You
2: know, we're not going to get there if we're not going to get there if we don't admit first that there's a problem, so you know. we can well, deal with it.
1: But we've been dealing with this for 200 some odd years. And of course, we've admitted that there was, I mean, we're 30 some it. odd miles because from Gettysburg. There's an admission that there was a problem. What? We keep
2: talking about it. We're not dealing with it because the st- statistics don't lie. We do have wage and employment disparities. Education is different. Well, you, but you have on wage on and code. employment
1: disparities with white people, just with white people. I mean, that, that you can't perfect.
0: Jeffrey, but they are not. Jeffrey, but I know I know you're not arguing that there's not racism in American society that has hurt black people. I know that. No, honest. of course you're not. Saying, of yeah, course I'm,
1: not. But what yeah. I'm saying is well, you don't well, make really, that the rule. You don't try and further it along. You, you, you've got to get away from this. And yeah, over time, for 200 Jeffrey, some odd years, we have been getting away from it.
0: I never have understood, and I want you to use this opportunity as we close to really explain because I, I know you've thought through it, and when I hear identity politics, I just don 't understand what you're talking about, honestly. I have an identity, and I vote that identity i'm an african American woman you know i uh you know was from the south moved. In. there are things about me that are my identity, and I vote according to my values, my ideals my so that is my identity, so I do. Care about people who speak to my identity. What's, what's I, I, I just the believe well, but so
1: politics.
0: But issues. so
1: does David Duke. So did George Wallace, and that's what. That's why I believe so strongly that this is wrong. I mean, I think everybody in America is built around a set of ideas and ideals. It is not supposed to be built around being, race.
2: But that wasn't for everyone, though. Possible. This country was built on separating people by race. That's the problem, right?
1: And that's we and, and that's with it. And that's We're what's not wrong. With it. But we have but it been dealing continues. with it. We, we, we have it. We passed. It's
2: just changed. It's changed. We, it's more subtle now. We see it with bail reform. We are uh, with bail. We see it with uh, sentences. Again, and you and to who's the not, president who passed with, uh, criminal
1: justice reform? That would be Donald Trump.
2: Working do with Van like, Jones. A, that was a bipartisan measure. Yes, and it's a start, but it doesn't get us nearly to where we need to be. Whether you want to admit it or not, we have not just racial but also gender disparities and wages and employment. Education is different depending on what zip code you live in. We do not have equal funding of our of our schools. These are just issues that continue to, we continue to perpetuate and until we Accept it, we're never going to deal with it. And I just think well, a I mean, a Republican lot of the things party, that you
1: talk about like, have to like be dealt with the at a local Democrat level. The
2: Party focuses too much on race. I think the Republican Party ignores it, so they don't have to deal with it. Well,
1: I, well are we are going to have to I,
0: leave it I, there.
2: We're going to have to leave there,
1: but this <laughs>
0: conversation has to continue.
1: Do we, have, do we have the rest of the year to talk about this? <laughs> we do, we do.
0: But, it, but it is an important one, and I really want to try that. Because I think, Jeffrey, that what you're saying, you're asking for an ideal where people are looked at and valued and that people, you know, aside from races, I get that. But it is also, I mean, I think what, what the, the message out there is that we're not there yet in American society in reality. So we're going to have to figure out how we work together to get there. So with that, I'm going to thank you both. Jeffrey Boyd <laughs> representing the Republicans and Rajat Harris. And you know, you know what? We're going to continue this on our Facebook Live discussion on Thursday. So goodbye until then. And again, if any of you want to join us, you can do so at Battleground PA on Facebook and Twitter or send us an email at topics at battlegroundpa.org. So until next week, have a great day and stay safe. Bye, guys. This was Battleground PA. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us so you don't miss a beat. Have an idea for an episode? Tweet us at battlegroundpa or email us at topics at battlegroundpa.org. Meanwhile, stay in the know between episodes on penlive.com. Battleground PA is hosted by Penn Live's opinion editor Joyce Davis and is produced by Penn Studios director Salim Michelle McClough and edited by Martin Boutros. More info and past episodes can be found at
1: battlegroundpa.org.